The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, the land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America, and we truly do believe You're the backbone of our nation, thanks to you we're living free We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue We're America, your country, and America It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. With Gary Ray, along with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is September 3rd, 2013. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Good morning, Gary. I hope you had a nice Labor Day weekend. Oh, I did. I just relaxed. I didn't go anywhere. Stayed off the road. <laughs> One of those days. Uh, a wise man, indeed. <laughs> well, before we get to our guests, we're going to take a couple minutes to provide everyone with a Veteran Trek live update. Today's Veteran Trek update is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. If you don't have First Class Merchant Services, you're paying too much. Good morning, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing well, Gary. How are you? Good, good. How are you and Tom getting along? It's only been a couple of days, right? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> this is day five. We're getting along well. Uh, day one was very difficult. It was very hot, and then we've just been dealing with some blisters and stuff like that. But we're uh, making up some miles. Uh, yesterday was the best day so far. We walked 23 miles yesterday. Oh, my and word. we're out on the trail today. Um, we're just stopping uh, right on the trail now to talk to you guys. All right. You know, we heard those when you were walking before. We heard you walking uh, those steel-belted tennis shoes that were making some noise, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's all the this uh, this part of the trail is actually really nice. It's all really small, like pea gravel crushed into the dirt, uh-huh. which is nice because yesterday there were some bigger rocks, and so you get that uneven ground, and you get different pressure points up on your feet, and you get all sorts of hot spots. All right. I have a feeling right. your feet are going to be very tough at the end of all of this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 
So it's 2,700 miles uh, for awareness of the PS, uh, PTSD and veteran suicide awareness, uh, which is phenomenal. Any incidents so far? Any Anything uh, exciting? Anything different? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had a number of people recognize us um, as we're walking. Yesterday, a biker was biking down the path, and as he was coming up behind us, he said, Hi, Veterans Trek guys. So, I mean, oh, we're kind of getting wonderful. recognized a little bit. Um, and we've been in- incredibly fortunate to have some awesome hosts so far. Um, every night we've been put up in someone's home. Um, wow. They fed us well and let us shower and do our laundry and stuff. So it's been really, it's been really good for us. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And that's probably set up on the way, all, all the way, right? You have people um, in the towns already no, calling you? No, no, not all the way. But we did luck out the other day and find, find out that we'll have a place to stay every town that we go through in Wisconsin. So that's good. Oh, phenomenal. All right. You know, that's part of the adventure, and it shows you that Americans really do care. I'm so proud of you guys, and I'm so glad that everyone's receiving you so well. Right, right. So uh, by the end of the day, where are you going to be? Today we'll uh, end up in Cottage Grove, which is uh, about five miles outside of Madison, and uh, it's going to be about 24 miles today. Right down to you. Just think, by the end of the day, you'll only have about twenty six hundred more miles to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Man, okay. Is there anything you'd like to uh, let our let your supporters know? Um, well, I think for me, one of the cool things was last week Wednesday, so two days before we left, we had raised about seventeen thousand um, dollars. On Thursday, we heard from a foundation in Milwaukee that we approached. They made a $20,000 grant to Dry Hooch um, because of Veterans Trek to allow Dry Hooch to expand its peer-to-peer services. And then uh, Milwaukee's county executive, Chris Abley, wrote us a personal check for $10,000 and said he'll write us another $10,000 check when we get back. So before we took an official step, we had already raised just shy of $60,000 of our $100,000 goal. Wow, Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Hope that happens Um, every day. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> uh, also, I'd like to add that um, we'll be, uh, we have a live GPS map um, tracking our progress. So if people go to uh, VeteransTrek.com, they can uh, check out the uh, photos and um, track us live on, uh, on our website. All right, all right. Well, again, I guess they can also see uh, the latest updates. And what's that, Instagram on your site uh, also? Yeah, Instagram will have all of our pictures. And then, like Tom said, right below Instagram, there's a text box that says, follow our progress here. Click on that, and uh, you'll be taken to another window that shows you exactly where we are through our GPS. All right. Well, Anthony and Tom, good luck. Uh, Like I said, uh, you don't have that much farther, huh? And, <laughs> and and again, we'll be talking to you on the next update, which is next Tuesday. And yep. uh, again, take care. Good luck. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Let's right, thank, you. Thank, you thank you very much. Thank Let's you. wish Anthony and Tom some good luck and give them your support by donating right now from your cell phone. Just text donate to 80464 and you'll be able to donate directly to them. All right. All right, let's get to our guest. Linda, you have the honor of introducing our guest today. I am so delighted to bring some guests today that are bringing more awareness, just as the two gentlemen are walking to raise PTSD awareness and suicide prevention. We are devoting all of our shows in September to 
suicide prevention, PTSD, underlying causes of ideation, etc. And we are putting on some amazing people. And today we have Randy Jensen, who is a licensed mental health counselor and a certified chemical dependency counselor in the state of Washington. She wrote a book. I love this title. Just because you're suicidal does not mean you're crazy. And Randy is here to discuss how peer support and a very specific protocol for peer support is very, very effective for the psychobiology of suicide prevention, which isn't often how people think of suicide. We also have with us Dr. George Patron, retired Army physician, who will share a very personal family story about suicide today and how he also feels that peer support may have saved his son. Um, George and his wife, Pamela, do all they can do to help families cope after suicide through their Serendipity Alliance. And both of these people, in, I was introduced to Randy from George, and I'm very, very pleased to introduce you both today. Welcome to the American Heroes yes, Network. Yes, welcome. All oh, right. thank you, Linda, and thank you, Gary. It's very, it's my very great pleasure and honor to be here. Well, yeah, thanks, we're, thanks for me we're well. thrilled. It's a great opportunity to uh, share our stories and our uh, experiences throughout the years in helping veterans and uh, their family members. Perfect. You know, Randy, let's start with you. Can you talk about how you became involved in, <clears throat> I'll call it the, the Jensen Peer Protocol? Right. Um, it's the Jensen Suicide Prevention Peer Protocol, the JSP3. Uh, it uh, are you getting some feedback from me? A little bit. Okay, let me turn down my phone. I hope that's better. That is. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, uh, very first, uh, I will tell you right off the bat, I'm not uh, shy to tell anyone who cares to listen that I spent 24 years of my life in suicidality. Uh, fighting every day for my life. And it wasn't until uh, the end of the 24 years and I began to realize that it was my friends that were keeping me alive. It was my friends who were helping me um, get to my uh, appointments and getting to understand that there are ways that I could keep myself alive. I simply did not understand where my suicidality was coming from. I had no idea why I felt the way I felt. And as I began to come out of it and I began to work with my friends who worked in a very concerted manner um, uh, to, to help me, I began to realize that I could, I, I could do this for other people. So I went back and I got my education in chemical dependency. I got my education in mental health. And I began to do to do more research, and at that time is when I started really forming uh, the thought patterns that that developed in suicidality. I began to see it in all my patients, and um, it not probably not so strangely is that is that I kept getting patients that were suicidal. They kept coming to me over and over again, and they were telling me things um, that all all rang true. Every single person was telling me a variation of the same sort of story. And I began to collect this data, and I, it took me 10 years to write my book, but when I got it finished, it started really, really resonating with a lot of people. 
you know, I, I think one of the things that is now finally coming to light is something that you wrote about, which is that there is a psychological and biological basis for suicide. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could speak more about that, please. Right. One of the most important things uh, to re to rid ourselves of the stigma against suicide is simply to understand that it's not anything about emotional instability. What it is is suicidality, which is suicidality encompasses all of the thought patterns and the actions and the plans and the deeds that go around suicide. And suicidality is actually a coping mechanism to deal with uncountable problems. And early on, um, I began to realize that all of my patients early on in their life, usually sometime in their youth, uh, came up to some very severe, seemingly unsolvable problems in their life. In their youth, they didn't have the power to solve these problems. And the safest thing for them to do was to start thinking about not being here. That thought pattern began to create endorphins, which then classically conditioned them to think of it again, which began a neural pathway that was automatic, absolutely automatic and absolutely unconscious. So uh, over time, individuals began to think about not being here, which then kind of morphed into thinking about not being anywhere, and this neural pathway deepened and deepened each time they thought about that. And so it's easy to see now that the neuroscience and neurobiology involved with this coping mechanism it defies anyone saying that this is emotional instability. It's not. It is a deeply ingrained, classically conditioned neural pathway, and that's why we must move suicidality from that realm of emotional instability and put it exactly where it belongs in the world and realm of neuroscience. Amen. We're going to take a quick break, okay? Um, I just want to, before we go on break, I just want to mention that our Veteran Trek update this week was brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. First Class Merchant Services offers discounts for veteran-run businesses and nonprofit organizations nationwide. First Class saves the average company anywhere from 600 to 800 per year from what they're currently paying on their merchant account right now. Give Josh a call at 407-401-0772. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Linda and guest Randy and George. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you ready for another meeting? Do you leave wondering if you've made any progress or was it just another organizational reorganization? Are you looking for a way to change that and make progress? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel every week for educational leadership. What else is possible? With hosts Mary Maduna and Margaret Ruff. If you're ready to energize your leadership and create new possibilities, join us for a chance to look through a different lens and gain a new perspective every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. All right, welcome back. Uh, and when we're on break, we came up with a pretty good uh, question. Do you want to ask that question, Linda? I'd be delighted to. I, I think one of the hardest things about suicidal ideation and suicide prevention in particular is the fact that so many people deny talking about it personally or they deny it to themselves. Perhaps we can discuss that stigma of deniability. Right. Uh, thank you, Linda. Um, I write about this in my book, The Conspiracy of Denial. Um, and it's a well-meaning conspiracy. I mean, usually there's a very bad connotation that comes with the word conspiracy, but actually it's a, cons- it's a conspiring, uh, but it's an unconscious conspiring. People want to believe that other people really want to live, that they find joy in their life. And it sometimes hurts them to think that other people don't, because we do have a great deal of empathy for other people. But uh, one of the things that I wrote in my book, and I'm going to quote this because um, it really, I, I can't say it any better than I said it this once, and that is, a non-suicidal person can only see why a person would want to live. A suicidal person has difficulty giving those reasons more value than the promise of escaping the pain of existence. And it's it's very well-meaning in that we want the best for people. But in so doing, we negate their statements of pain and and hurt. And uh, we have a very difficult time understanding a person could be so bereft and so upset and unable to figure out a way to solve problems. Uh, We just simply don't want to believe it. I had a, a reporter ask me once, she said, what is the best advice you could give someone who found out someone was suicidal? And I simply said, believe them. Mm-hmm. Believe them. And then take steps. And I'll tell you, uh, most of my uh, patients say to me, if I tell you that I'm thinking about suicide, are you going to call 911? Am I going to end up in the back of a squad car in handcuffs? Um, Because that is so often what happens. 
And um, so I say, no, you be honest with me and I'll be honest with you. Because most of my patients have been suicidal for years upon years. One patient has been suicidal for 44 years. So um, what I know about suicide, I'm not afraid to talk to someone about it. And that's what we have to get some education out there. That's my goal. That's my mission. That is exactly where I was going to go next. I think there's a fear that people have, and I see it everywhere, Mm -hmm. that if they talk about it, it will give someone the idea to do it. Can you talk about how talking about it and peers and the openness can really provide a different perspective on that. Right, you know, and that starts very early in a person's life. Uh, um, my my uh, whole paradigm, my whole thought pattern that goes in, and my theory about suicidality beginning in useful experiences is every one of my, 100% of my patients say that early on in their life they had an experience where someone who they knew uh, had died by suicide, and uh, the people in charge of them, their caregivers, said to them, well, um, they're in a better place. They're uh, with God now, or they're with Jesus now, or they're happy now, or they're peaceful now. Giving the, the child the idea that suicide's not such a bad thing. Wow. And, I've and never that, heard that. And that that absolutely may go unconscious. It may go absolutely into their subconscious, but it carries with a message very deeply that um, this person made the right choice. That it's okay that they made this choice, and I don't really, you know, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to start telling our kids the truth that this individual made an unfortunate choice, that this individual decided that they could not solve their problems or the people that they told did not do what they needed to do to keep this person alive. You know, Randy, I think what's interesting is that more often um, in in our experience among the veteran population, we, we don't hear about, we hear more about not talking about suicide at all or or not that it's a good thing it's just it's an it's a way to escape the pain right and and veterans are are you know they have this ingrained that soldier on that just drive on get through it you know they're taught from basic training to go go through tremendous amounts of pain emotional physical uh, pain and 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 not to let go and not to give in to support their buddies to support their unit to you know to not be mm-hmm. the weak link mm-hmm. and so that thought pattern uh, gets pushed back in their head but when problems become so overwhelming and they do reach out what happens is they get isolated even further and my one of my biggest uh uh, problems is to to get the military to understand that the help that they have is right there in the battle buddies. Instead mm-hmm. of isolating an individual and putting them in a psych unit where where I hate to tell you, but the treatment for for a suicide has not changed in eons. True, and it still doesn't work. We still have 
3,000 people dying a day, every single day from suicide. Over 22 American veterans dying every day. A person dies every 40 seconds from suicide. And suicide has increased 60% in the last 45 years. We are not doing the right thing. And the thing that I, the the thing that I keep trying to pound into people's consciousness is that you can talk about it. You can be you can form a small support group of three or four people for this individual. You can educate yourselves what to do for them because they will tell you what to do for me. You put them in the driver's seat of their support group. They tell you what they need. They tell you how to help them. And it's a reciprocal thing. That is a battle buddy approach. That is a unit cohesive approach. And well, and, and you're exactly me, right. They are starting to have some veteran for veteran support groups and even crisis lines that are yes. manned by veterans yes. for veterans for crisis yes. lines. So the concept is coming through. This uh-huh. might be a good time to go to George and and ask George if you would share your story about how you feel that possibly peer support could have saved your son. Okay, thank you. I'd be glad to. Uh, the important thing about what, what we just talked about is is that uh, veterans can be put on the crisis lines, uh, be there to respond in the crisis moment and do a wonderful job of talking someone down on they haven't been believed that there is someone else that cares. Right now it's just you and me on the phone. And then it's the warm handoff that's so important. And that's where our culture, our healthcare non-system, I call it, it fails us. And as Randy pointed out, the statistics, it continues to fail us. Uh, when I start to tell our story, Andrew's story, <clears throat> and how we lost him, I, I like to start out saying that uh, everyone who touched my son's life from birth to uh, just a few days short of being 21 years old, cared about him and cared about us. So let's just start out with that, that we're all good people. We all really care about the individuals who cross our paths. And and, uh, whether you're a commander of a unit, a first sergeant, or uh, running the line, the unit, as uh, Randy was talking about, or you're a combat buddy uh, out there fighting the fight with your your foxhole uh, neighbor, or you're a family member or a caregiver. We're, we're all good people, so let's start out there. And, and my philosophy has always been call it exactly what it is, and then mm-hmm. let's move forward. What's the problem is the same for our son who was a soldier uh, as a son who was born into a family where I was already in the Army. So he spent his entire 20, almost 21 years as a dependent son, uh, falling in line to support the unit. The unit initially is the family, and then I'm in the unit of the Army Medical Command and the Department of Defense. <clears throat> so he experienced military life all the way through. Uh, to begin at the point where he left us, that's uh, April 7, uh, 2009, he had tried to get help. He had mentioned his concerns to various people, but due to groupthink, which I think is a part of this conspiracy of denial, friends, relatives, some family members, certainly the doctors, adolescent pediatricians, cardiologists who saw Andrew, just couldn't find uh, themselves to think that this was a serious serious, uh, uh, crisis event because he was so charming. 
He was so creative. And he understood his illness very well. And he, uh, as I find and now as I talk to other, other families who talk about their sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, etc., who succumbed to suicide, uh, died by suicide, succumbed. They didn't commit it. Uh, they, they gave into it because they just couldn't stand the pain another moment longer. So the key is then, uh, while the unit, the people closest to a person who is thinking, uh, I had best leave, it'll be better for the world, it's the only way I can escape my pain. When they ask for help, it's not only getting the crisis help on the phone by a wonderful vet or another uh, great uh, counselor who has trained themselves to understand the culture of the military, but it's the warm handoff that's missing. And so in the story of Andrew, it's who is your primary care provider? So in short, tell the story that he had been seen three months prior uh, to his death, had gone back to uh, the uh, town where he was going to college, had left uh, us in command in California of the medical system near Fort Ord, California, decided to go back to college his second year and was going to fight the fight, uh, you know, see if he couldn't uh, get to it. Had a history of depression, history of attention deficits and problems, uh, being confrontational in school situations, but was going to go back and give it the old college try. Recognized that he was becoming more depressed and thinking of suicide, unbeknownst to my wife and I at that time, three months prior. Was seeing he got the usual standard of care, which is to say, well, try this uh, an um, antidepressant in combination with your attention deficit meds see how it works. But that provider was brand new when Andrew came back uh, to the, the uh, city where his uh, college program was. And they didn't say, am I going to be your primary care team from here on out? And that's, that's one of my messages constantly. What do we do to, to fix this civilian or military? Am I going to be your primary care trusted team, uh, the provider mm-hmm. plus the nurse plus uh, others? Mm-hmm. And then to say, when are we going to follow up? Did you have a question? No, I'm, I'm just following along because what you're talking about is communication. It's setting, making, setting making up certain... to... I'm sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why when I met Randy uh, with the, J, uh, the JSP3 program, it's setting up a safety net around people before they're in crisis when they mm-hmm. first mention it, not waiting until the crisis moment. And... So Andrew got worse and worse over the next three months. We had a, a plan in place where he, would, I would call him coming home from work on Wednesdays if we didn't talk otherwise and say, how's it going, buddy? And uh, a couple of weeks before he died, <clears throat> he had called me and said, Dad, I figured it out. I've been Googling. I've been looking. Uh, he was a, a extremely intelligent young man, very creative, was working to build a new search engine for the world, uh, looking to make the planet greener. Uh, just had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he said, I think the medicine they're giving me is making me worse. And I said, hey, got to get you in right now. Uh, shall I make a call to someone there in the clinic? And he said, Dad, I'm 20 years old. Please. Uh, I went to one place. I'm going to go to another place. Unfortunately, the second visit, same thing happened. And we learned after, after his death from his best friend that when he came home after getting a second appointment, in a new clinic with a new uh, doctor, uh, that he got the same response. Let's change your antidepressant. Uh, let's uh, refill your, your attention deficit uh, you know, ADHD medications, and let's see how that works. 
uh, not an offer to be the primary caregiver. And what he was looking for, knew he was in trouble that day, and was hoping to be hospitalized. Uh, what he wanted to see a psychiatrist or psychologist. Uh, I am a pediatrician uh, and a family practitioner. Uh, I, I believe that the, the answer to this epidemic lies within our primary care system, which is supported with same-day service with all of our wonderful specialists. And we simply can't be saying when someone's mentioning the word suicide or I'm really depressed uh, that you can't be seen. Unfortunately, the, the physician made the comment in a military clinic, we're just overwhelmed with active duty. There is nobody here today who has an open appointment for you. So let's just try this new antidepressant and see how it goes. Without that, uh, that feeling that he had somebody who he trusted who was going to stay with him and no follow-up call, 10 days later, he shot himself. So we had the opportunity. Uh, his, his friends had the opportunity. And what, in short, what was missing there was on the day, the second time he was seen, as well as the time three months earlier, and when we do the evaluation a year earlier, we couldn't see it, the parents. And so when I talk to parents now, I say, it, it, you're so close to it, and often your children and your other relatives don't want to share it with you because they don't want to hurt us. They're appreciative of all we've done. So really, they don't say it straight up. And uh, in a note, after Andrew died, he wrote to a friend, I talked to my dad this morning. This was while still in California before uh, he went to college again, where he said, I talked to my dad, and I think everything's going to be much better. I didn't tell him I had tried suicide 12 times already or thought about it over the last few years, but I think he got it. Wow. So, you know, you read that and you go, how did I miss it? Well, because, as Randy points out, I'm a part of the conspiracy of denial, the cognitive dissonance uh, as a technical term for I just can't mm -hmm. think in those terms. What I need is help. And then that's the second major point. If the uh, family practitioner who saw Andrew that second time would have said, Am I going to be your primary care provider? Let's go back and look at your history, your family history. Who do you trust? Who is on your team? Because you know what? I don't want you to leave, the, leave here without uh, uh, having other people that can help to, follow, to support you. And let's see how this medication does. And I'm looking forward to seeing you back. It's building the team. And that means bringing family members in, and I put that in quotes. Mm -hmm. Certainly, if, if my wife or I had been called, and with Andrew's uh, permission, of course, and said he uh, was really having some very serious uh, comments and thoughts. And he, they did do a, a suicide depression screen, which was grossly positive. Cognitive dissonance, conspiracy of denial. And when we talked to them afterwards, they said, well, he answered it wrong. That's why it was so high. So they even interpreted the test to fit what they saw. And... Um, we need to build those teams up from day one. We need the safety team put around them and execute the plan and then stay with a warm, a warm hand hanging on to these people uh, until we're sure that they're out of the woods. And um, that, that didn't happen for Andrew. You know, George yeah. has mentioned it. Randy, you've mentioned it. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can get to the JSP3 program? Uh, and I believe you also have a free download on that. Absolutely. Um, I have a wonderful young man working on a, a new revamping of my website, so uh, both of the uh, 
booklets will not be available until that comes up, but I have a booklet that a person can currently download from my website, which is simply www.jsp3.org. And all they have to do is go there, and they can download that booklet, which is something they can share with an entire group of people. And like George said, the important thing to do is not wait until there is a crisis. If someone says that they are thinking about killing themselves or they are making euphemistic statements like, I I don't want to be here anymore, or uh, maybe you'll see me tomorrow, maybe you won't, uh, that kind of thing, that just very cryptic statements, you need to stop and ask them. You know, hey, I'm concerned about you. I want to know what are you? What did you mean by that? And it, it the booklet. My book talks more about that. It, my book goes into depth about how to form a JSP3. The booklet kind of gives you a quick, quick and dirty form of it, and it's a, something that you can carry around with you. But the important thing of it is, is that you you understand that the the suicidal person is the person who is driving the support group. And it sounds very, very, um, uh, you know, counterintuitive that a suicidal person would have the energy to do that. But what's amazing when people come together and say, "This is this is how this support group works. This is a reciprocal group." In other words, I can ask you to help me. I can ask you, the suicidal person, to help me, and I can help you. The the trick is communication, commitment, cooperation, and confidentiality. Those are the four things that we need to watch for in a JSP3. So they can go to my website. They can learn about the neurobiology of suicide. They can get my book. They can email me. I'll be happy to help them any way I can. This is my mission. We have got to educate the world, not just the military, not just the American public, but the world, because the world is suffering. And this is what it needs. We need education. We need to open our minds. And just like we had all this stigma against uh, against alcoholism years ago and how we complained about, oh, this is just a choice, well, We've discovered it is a neurobiological, uh, you know, completion of a circuit in a person's brain. This is the same way with suicidality. We need to wake up and pay attention and get educated. Now, Randy made a really important point there, the confidentiality. We talked okay. earlier about about uh, the, fo- uh, the, the foxhole dweller, as I call him, the combat buddy. The reason I, I believe that we are being unsuccessful in the United States, uh, again, uh, in our in our culture, is that we we still are so concerned about confidentiality that we won't even share information with others who have a need to know. Yeah. Now, we are mm-hmm. beginning. We're, we've already shared. People who have a need to know are those who love this person and would do anything for them, uh, spare the expense and. We know that in medical, again, we would say it's not about the money, and if you need that surgery, we'll get it, that sort of thing. Same thing here. Um, those who have the, um, the resources in time are going to be the friends, family, who will do anything for that person, who really know them. And we can't begin to be that person for our, our patients, for our soldiers, airmen, sailors, coasties, etc. 
we need to enlist the army of volunteers out there who will step forward if they have the education. And that's where uh, Randy's program is so simple. There's Paul Quinnett has a, a great program called QPR, which is on a similar vein about doing CPR, but not for the heart and lungs, but for the mind. And putting a program in place where you not only do the crisis piece, but then you hang on to them. The problem in the medical uh, community is that we are hiding behind HIPAA, which is the uh, Health Information mm -hmm. Portability Act. And we, we want to say that I can't share this information. And then I call it, that's where I call it what it is. Are you afraid of your license? Are you afraid of being sued? Well, people are going to continue to die until we own up to that we're trying to do it ourselves, and we're actually putting ourselves in that position. Rather, from the very first contact with the very next patient, on Monday morning after the conference, when you go back, you start a form. You bring it up when they're healthy and well and say, I'm happy to be your care team. I'm happy to be your psychologist, uh, you know, social worker, whoever they might be. Who's your primary care team? Because I want to stay in contact with them, and please let them know to call me if you're a specialist anytime, and vice versa. The uh, primary care provider could be a nurse practitioner, doctor, will say, and who else is on your care team right now as you're coming to me from within the same hospital or across country with the services moving all over the place? And you sign the form that says, who, who is in your trusted circle? Any of us might get into an auto accident tomorrow. Uh, any of us might, perhaps the stress of the world, hit us and, and get us down. And we start, might start making some decisions or not even be able to make decisions for ourselves. Who are those people that you trust and listen? Let's put them on, on right now so we can share that information and we can give them a call should you ever need it. Uh, we care about you. You have value to the world, to the community, and I'm just so pleased to be your provider. If we would do that and stop hiding our, our mental health charts in our confidentiality files locked away, we would start sharing. We would start talking. And as Randy brought up earlier, as we worry about the media suggesting suicide to people who are depressed. In fact, uh, by not talking about it, they sink into it and do it because we're not bringing it up in a healthy way. Right. Well, if, everybody well could hold, if everybody could hold that thought, we're just going to take a quick break. The Salute Military Golf Association, also known as the SMAGA, is actually having a Wounded Warrior Golf Tournament starting this month with a series of golf events across the United States that, that actually provide rehabilitative golf experiences and family-inclusive golf opportunities for the post-9-11 Wounded War veterans in an effort to improve the quality of life for these American heroes. There are 14 golf tournaments around the country, actually starting this month, September 2013, all the way through January 2014. As our country's heroes transition into civilian life during their recovery from visible and invisible injuries, the rehabilitative benefits of golf can really significantly improve the mental and physical conditions. Um, ah, can't talk here. <laughs> The net proceeds from the Wounded Warriors Golf Tournament will go to the purchase of equipment, lessons, golf course access for our veterans. The tournaments are open to the public and sponsored locally. For information on player registration or general information on supporting a tournament in your area, visit the smga.org website or go to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com website, scroll down to the events, and click on the SMGA logo. This is Gary Ray along with co-host Linda. 
and Randy and George as our guests. We're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. And again, uh, Linda, why don't you go ahead with that uh, question that we came up with? Yeah, there's so many things we could talk about, but I I think that there are many people in our audience for whom this message is resonating. They may be hearing bits and pieces, or they may be hearing whole cloth of what you're talking about. If family members are wondering what to do if this resonates, can you supply some good guidance on what they should do next? Well, I'm talking about Battle Buddies and Battle Buddies family members. And one of the booklets that will be on my website at the end of September is Suicide Prevention for Battle Buddies and Their Families. And what it talks about is, okay, if you have someone who you suspect is considering suicide, uh, you need to go and you need to talk to them about it. You're not going to start them thinking about it 
mostly they are already thinking about it, and you need to talk to them. You need to be open about it and and learn the specific ways that you can support this person. If they if you start early when they first start thinking about it, it will not get to a crisis point. And like George said earlier, you have to talk about this before it gets to a crisis point. If you do that, then they feel supported and not isolated. And with the battle buddy system, the way it's already set up in the military, it's a perfect paradigm. It is within it. It's got the answer within that particular system that an individual can, instead of isolating and setting them apart and looking at them from afar or taking them someplace else, that you will be, be there when, if you, they do have to go to a psych unit, that's okay. Um, you know, I went to three psych units, but when I came out, I had my group right there supporting me, and that's what you need. You need to learn how to do that. Battle buddies are absolutely perfect for this. And Battle Buddies families can be educated to help them. That's a good point. And what do you suggest to families who may have heard these comments from their family members? Yes. This is uh, George. I've been working recently with a a great team to put together um, resources and a training program for uh, health caregivers and commanders, command teams Mm -hmm. in the military, to uh, how to... uh, provide education in bereavement after uh, a traumatic loss and also how to prevent it. And even on this uh, very same team, uh, I've talked to a colleague uh, who is a nurse and, and well-versed in all of these uh, events, the risk of doing health care, and just hearing the story caused, caused her to go home and, and talk to one of her children. And there has been some bullying at school in the past year and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it caused her to say, wow, uh, uh, a, a quote-unquote enlightened physician like George missed it and is open about it. I missed it. it. All the breadcrumbs were laid there by Andrew for us to see. But because we're not conditioned to see them and then the system didn't help uh, make me aware of it, I missed it and didn't ask that question, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself? Uh, you really are down. Uh, she went home and uh, talked to her children and sure have found that one of them had said yes and, and even so much as had a plan. So oh it, is, it is to go home and don't, don't think that any socioeconomic level, uh, any background, it makes us immune to this. So that's now, just so important. George, did you say you had a resource that people could read about this? Or is this something you speak about? Who, uh, what well, you were just talking about now for families. I have well, I, a, I have a booklet that will be downloadable from my website at the end of September called uh, "Suicide Prevention for Battle Buddies and Their Families." Families. Okay. Good. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The the other group of people on the line are perhaps those I switch hats now and become a uh, healthcare administrator. Uh, Twenty three years history with uh, the Army and Department of Defense. And going back and hearing these words uh, that could I have missed it? Well, I say again, I missed it. As a pediatrician, when I look back now and I'm on the other side of the mirror, I'm looking through it the other direction. I'm going, how could I have missed all these opportunities? Well, because we didn't talk about it, and now I've experienced it. And so that's uh, my heart and passion about it is to say, 
when you go back to your office on Monday morning, whether you're a specialty provider or a primary care, tear down the silo. Don't wait. Don't look for more resources. You, with your team, ask each of your patients, who is your primary care team? Who do I need to uh, talk with who you really trust? Uh, and so we don't need to call 911 and have the police knocking at your door. There are other people who will come and be uh, there for you. Let's write it down, and then I'm going to, as a provider, tear down the communication barriers so that uh, I am available same day for people that need them, for the people I work with in my clinic or my neighborhood or my town, um, and, and get the HIPAA rules clear and open them up so that you can communicate and cover the entire patient's history on day one. Am I going to be your primary care team? It's my job and to know the whole person. And let's let's start today and continue uh, this relationship. That's how, that would have saved Andrew for another day, uh, an, another time to be able to perhaps have become suicidal again. Uh, it, one thing we wrestle with is that well, you just can't prevent suicide. Well, I beg to differ, and so did the people at the Henry Ford Health System in Detroit. We don't have time to go into that today, but this is one thing I, I read about and talk about. And anyone who wants to know a system that said our suicide rate is too high and we're going to decrease it is the Henry Ford system in the late 90s and into the early 2000s and showed that they could bring their suicide rate among their enrolled population to zero. Uh, Right down one or two would happen, but just because we weren't perfect. And then the Air Force had a wonderful program at the same time. And we we believe we know why that, uh, that it changes and the Air Force's rate went up and joined us again, Army, uh, Navy, et cetera. And that's change of leadership and a lack of continuity of the programs that really work. Wow. You know, we're already at the end of our show. We only have a little more than a minute left, and I'd like to thank Randy and George for being with us today. You guys are phenomenal. Thank <laughs> Randy, you, well, thank you, Linda. Yeah, sure. You're welcome. Randy what, Randy, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? I think I would just like to encourage our listeners, battle buddies, veterans, family members, civilians, uh, people of the universe, to simply understand that they have the power to stop suicide. It's Mm -hmm. there. It's within their ability. And there are not enough clinicians, hospitals, doctors anywhere in this world that can do what you can do. All right. Wow, what was that? George, what would you like to share with our listeners? Well, I think that that's exactly it, is, is lessons learned from case after case after case uh, and mounting, as Randy said, is we cannot do it alone. Lest any of us think that we have a corner on it or we're protecting it, open it up. Open it up and bring in the, uh, the team. Uh, battle buddies themselves can't handle it alone either, and that's uh, my caution to Randy's comments is that when you're in the foxhole, you need to know they're with you 100 percent. Right. The key is to when when our great active duty troops are out there fighting in whatever service and they are start, starting to show signs of stress, we need to pull them back to evaluate right. them, but keep them knowing that the unit cares about them. And even if right. they're not going back in under the floor, under the firing line, we're going to replace them with someone who is there, and then they're going to go back to the unit when they're ready as opposed to you're done and ejected from the military. That, as we know, is leading to more suicides because they not only were stressed in the fight, now they're 
they're left to uh, lose their job, go back to the civilian sector, especially our Guard and Reserve. Boy, there's so much work we need to do. Well, thank you, George. Excellent Linda, do you point, have any George. Do you have any closing uh, remarks? My Linda? only comment is we have a very disconnected world these days with many, many media outlets, etc. We need to learn to listen, to talk, and to communicate better. Love one another. Yeah, we, we like to say with Serendipity Alliance, uh, we're giving a voice to the voiceless. It's mm -hmm. temporary right. that they have a don't have a voice, and we do it by listening to the survivors. All right. right. Just be just be sure to listen uh, next week uh, to another live update on Veteran Trek, a 2,700-mile walk for PTSD and veteran suicide awareness. For event sponsorship information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, signing off, and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. And have a terrific week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.